When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that just found out you can have a four on four rider meet in the same meet that you have five on five riders. Yeah, I had no idea that was legal. Uh, I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. So, let's get this show started with some meat recaps. Now, last week's action started on Friday, and to kick things off, we had the latest in the NCEA series of hidden, unpublicized meets. Uh, We had Bridgewater College at Lynchburg. Yes, for the fourth straight week, the NCEA had no information on the official website about an upcoming meet. Now, usually I think someone realizes that mistake when it's time for them to tweet out their this week's action graphic on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, And then someone hastily just adds the meat to the calendar the day before, but not this time. This time, the meat did not show up on the official calendar until three days later when someone had to go upload the official score sheet. Uh, And here's the kicker. When they posted the uh, who won the meat in the schedule, they have the scores reversed. Now, the score sheet is proper, but the scores are reversed in there. So if you go there right now, it's probably still wrong. Um, <laughs> there's, there is no one at the wheel of the NCA's schedule calendar. Jesus has taken the wheel. And by that, I don't mean that Jesus is driving. I mean that Jesus boosted that wheel and there is no wheel. It is just careening down the highway with no one in charge of that thing. Oh, very Bush League. And, and seriously, the NCA needs to be embarrassed about this. This is the fourth week in a row that they have not had an actual competition listed on the Dern official calendar. That is just, you can't do that and, and be taken seriously as a sport. So again, I know it's a lot of volunteers going on, you know, and stuff and people doing this themselves or whatever, but it shouldn't seem like that. It should seem professional. It does not seem professional. So that, yeah, okay. Anyway, so who ended up winning this? Well, all right, uh, in the previews, well, I didn't have a preview because like an idiot, I trusted the NCA's website. So here's, you'll just jump right on into what happened. Uh, going in, Bridgewater was the number six in my ranking. Lynchburg was number two. Uh, it was also at Lynchburg, which always helps. So in fences, Lynchburg won that four to one. And on the flat, Lynchburg swept that five to nothing. So the final score was 9-1 Lynchburg, which is not what the NCA website says right now. It says 9-1 Bridgewater. But good job, Lynchburg. You have taken care of business. Uh, You're also improving your stats. You're getting closer to Sweetbriar every day, and we'll talk about that more later. Uh, But next up in our meet recaps, we have TCU at Fresno State. Now, I thought TCU would win 12-7. It ended up being 15-5, and here's how it happened. TCU won fences and flat 3-2 each, then the Frogs swept horsemanship 5-0, and they won reigning 4-1. Add that all up and you get a big 15-5 road win for TCU. This is a nice win here against an overmatched uh, Fresno State team, uh, but still TCU shows that they, they get the job done, so there you, there you go. 
For Fresno State, it was a nice effort, particularly on the jumping seat side. It gives them something to build off of, so hopefully they can get some home wins uh, from some of the lesser teams on their schedule. All right, now let's look at Georgia at Auburn. This is what all the Auburn fans listening are waiting for, so here we go. Uh, Auburn's great at home, five years. Auburn has not lost at home. It's amazing. There's, you know, every year there's there's a handful of teams that can go undefeated at home. Auburn is always one of those teams. So with Georgia coming in, it's going to be tough to get a win from Auburn. Uh, I predicted Auburn would win 11-8, to and Auburn ended up winning 12-8. to So here's how it all went down. Georgia has a good flat squad, so I felt like that was going to be their best chance to beat Auburn and get some points. Uh, instead, Auburn won the flat 4-1. to Raining was also going on in the first half. Georgia matches up pretty well against Auburn. Auburn won that 3-2. to So right out of the gate, Auburn had uh, a big lead. Well, a, a sizable lead. It wasn't big. It wasn't huge. It was a good lead. They had under, but what more importantly, they had taken away Georgia's two best events, at least statistically, and that meant all Auburn really had to do was just take care of business in the second half. In the second half, fences went 3-2 to for Auburn, and horsemanship went 3-2 to for Georgia which is a little bit of a surprise, but there you go, that can happen. So the final score did end up being 12-8 to there. Um, Auburn probably expected to win by a little bit more, and they could have if they'd have ridden a little bit better, but that's what you can say about everybody. So um, Georgia matches up pretty well against Auburn this year. So, you know, Auburn's Western teams are always a bit of a mystery to me as to, you know, what you're going to get each week. So... And I think that's going to happen throughout the whole season. Uh, some weeks the Western teams are just going to be great, and sometimes they're not. And it might cost them a meet or two here. We'll see. But not at home, probably, because Auburn's really good at home. Uh, for Georgia, they did much better on the road against Auburn than they did on the road against Texas A&M, so that shows some improvement. And it sets up uh, the meet that they're going to have Auburn come to Bishop in the spring, and that, that really looks like a winnable meet for the Bulldogs. So there's there's reason for them to hope on that. On we go over to Saturday and the meets that happen then. Uh, we have Texas A&M at Oklahoma State. Now, I figured this one was going to be close, that it would end up being 10-9 to in favor of Oklahoma State. The meet did end up being 10-9, to just not for the Cowgirls. Here's what happened. Uh, fences and horsemanship started first. Texas A&M won fences 3-1. to Oklahoma State won horsemanship 3-2. to So A&M was up 5-4 to at the half. In the second half, A&M won the flat 3-2, to but raining was going on at the same time, and so as the points were coming out, Oklahoma State was winning a lot of those early points. Things got tied up at 7-all, and then uh, Oklahoma State even took the lead, got it on up to 9-7. to then A&M got two points and tied that thing back up at nine all. And then there was a re-ride in a raining ride where uh, basically after everything else was done, this last re-ride was going to decide the whole darn meet. And Texas A&M got that point, so they ended up winning the meet 10 to 9. Very close meet, very exciting meet for both teams. Either team could have won that, but in the end, A&M was just a tiny bit better. Uh, but for Oklahoma State, uh, you know, I'm sure they wish they could get a lot of second chances at some of these rides, but that's just how it goes. Now, we also had uh, some single discipline action. We had number one, Sweet Briar, at number five, Dartmouth. Now, I predicted a seven to nothing win for Sweet Briar, but that did not come close to happening. Now, this was a four-on-four meet, and that always helps the underdog because a deeper team doesn't get to use that fifth rider in those two events. So, you know, that's that comes into play a little bit of it. Uh, but even still, Sweetbriar should be able to put away a team like Dartmouth. 
or at least the stats would have you think that. <laughs> in fences, both teams went uh, two and two. They tied two to two, four riders in there. And then on the flat, both teams tied two to two, four riders there, and that's what you get. So the overall score was tied four to four. So then we everybody started looking at the raw score totals. You don't have Western, so you don't have a way of messing up the Western equivalency formula. All you got to do is just add numbers. And when they added the numbers up, Dartmouth won with a raw score of 632 to Sweetbriar 619. So, boom. <laughs> Down goes Sweetbriar. Massive upset here. Uh, yeah, like I said the, having the four-on-four riders really helped Dartmouth. Being at home helped Dartmouth. But they legitimately rode just as well as Sweetbriar on, on Saturday. And that's, you know, what you got to do to beat a good team. To beat any team, you got to ride better than them. And that's what they did. Um, for a high-powered team like Sweetbriar, you know, you can't take a day off. You've got to bring it every meet or else you're going to lose. So there you go. Uh, big win for Dartmouth. This is the biggest win in program history for them. They don't have a very old program at the NCAA level, so any of these big wins is going to be their biggest, but this is this qualifies as the biggest for, for just about anybody. So good job for them. For Sweetbriar, this was a shock. Um, they're going to have to put it aside. They would get ready for another meet they had coming up the next day at Sacred Heart. So we're going to jump on over to Sunday. Now, I predicted this was going to be a 7-1 to win for Sweetbriar. But, you know, what does anybody know about the future now? You know, we've, we've seen that you can't predict anything. Uh, now, Sweetbriar did end up winning 6-2, so that's kind of close to what the stat said. So maybe it was just an anomaly what happened the other day, but oh well. Uh, Sweetbriar won fences 3-1, to one, so obviously they also had to have won the flat 3-1. to one. That's how we got our 6-3, or 6-2. But that's not exactly how it happened, or at least not all that happened. There were five Dern riders in the flat and only four Dern riders in fences. So they were uneven. And I have never seen that in a meet. Um, I, I could have sworn that that wasn't even allowed in the rules. I, I did go back and look at the rules. I didn't see anything against it. So I guess it must be legal. But uh, yeah, I, I thought you had to have equal numbers, but apparently you do not have to have equal numbers of riders. I think four is the minimum, and I think five is the maximum, but it doesn't say anything about if you decide four for one, you got to have four for the other. So there you go. Now, there might be something in there where if you have whatever number you have in your total of jumping seat, you have to have that number of total in the western seat because they like to keep it, you know, even amongst those. But this is a single discipline only, so they can they don't have to abide by that. And so, yeah, I think we had nine riders instead of ten or eight. Very weird. Never seen that before. So, yeah, uh, a nice win for Sweetbriar. Uh, they, they bounced back. They, you know, got the win like they should have. And uh, but, but for Sacred Heart, this was a decent showing. They got two points and a tie from Sweetbriar. Um, yeah, pretty good. Okay, so that's all of the action for this week. Now, let's check in on the Golden, Golden Scoresheet Score Awards. For those of you who are new to the show, the Golden Scoresheet Award is a competition where each week I review all of the official score sheets and award deductions or point bonus points based on the number of errors that I find in the score sheets. Now, every team is going to begin the season or has already begun the season with 100 points. And at the end of the season, the team or teams with the highest point totals will win an actual award from me commemorating their achievement in outstanding records keeping. So this weekend, I was going, I was looking through the score, some of the older score sheets that are popping up uh, on, the, on the official website. 
and I noticed that, okay, I'm, I'm finding one or two of these that are missing the event totals when the case is, uh, when the total is zero. So what's going on there is basically if a team gets swept, instead of the host team writing down, you know, that all the zeros equal zero for the whole event, they just leave that event total box blank. But as anybody who's taken third grade math will tell you, a blank is not the same as a zero. A blank box uh, communicates incompleteness, okay? A zero indicates that you completely did not score. So it matters. You cannot just leave a box blank. You got to put a zero in that block in that box. It's the same way that if a rider got a zero on her on her ride from a judge, you would not leave that box blank. You would write the zero down in that box so that we know what that score was. It was a zero. If the final score in your meet was twenty to zero, you would write a zero in that other box. You would not just leave it blank and say, oh, well, you can figure out that 20 was on that other side, so it must be zero over here. No, 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 no. The score sheet is not supposed to be a quiz, okay? You, you're supposed to give us the answers. You don't make us guess it. So you write a zero in those boxes if it's a zero. Yeah, so, and plus, I, I mentioned at the beginning of this competition that if you did not have uh, a, an event total in that box, you're going to lose, you're going to get a deduction. And so, darn it, you're going to get a deduction. Anyway, so I went back and I double-checked because uh, some of them I had not noticed uh, that they had some zeros in them. So there are some teams that used to be tied for first. They are no longer tied for first. They have dropped down in the golden score sheet standing. So after double-checking everything, here are the latest golden score sheet standings. In first place, with a perfect 100 points, are Barry College, Bridgewater, College of Charleston, Dartmouth, Lynchburg, Minnesota Crookston, Sacred Heart, Swanee, SMU, South Dakota State, Sweetbriar, UC Davis, and UT Martin. Now, in 14th place, with a score of 99 points, are Auburn, Fresno State, Georgia, Oklahoma State, and TCU. In 19th place, with a score of 98, is Baylor. In 20th place, with a score of 97, is Texas A&M. In 21st place, with a score of 96, is Delaware State. Yeah, found out some, uh, finally looked at their score sheet. They had a couple errors in it, so now they're down at 21st place. And in 22nd place, with a score of 94, is South Carolina. I do want to remind everybody that if a team ends up not having any home meets, they're going to get removed from this competition. Uh, but right now, I'm going to leave those teams in there because even though you don't show any home meets on the schedule, we all know that the schedule is unreliable. So I'm just going to keep y'all in the competition till sometime next semester when I'm pretty sure y'all don't have any home meet. Those will change at some point. We'll have fewer teams probably tied for number one. All right. Now, let's talk about week five of the official Auburn oh, Elvis, Elvis College Equestrian Rankings. With it being week five, we are one-third of the way through the entire equestrian season, and uh, I know some of these teams have not ridden very much. A lot of teams have backloaded schedules, but for right now, with a third of the action in the books, this is what we know about these teams. First, in the dual discipline. Now, like I said last week, uh, there's, there's several groups of teams. This top group of teams are those teams that they can win at home and away. Uh, these three teams are currently undefeated. And I'll tell you that even if some of these teams start picking up some road losses, 
they'll probably stay in this top group because they have already shown that they can beat some teams on the road. So, at number one, we have TCU. (laughs) TCU is poised to have their best season ever. They return almost everybody from last year's starters. Um, They've already passed a major test by beating Oklahoma State on the road. And also, TCU does not ride against either of the other two teams in this group. So that right there increases their chances of having a really strong season, a really good record. So TCU is at number one right now. The number two team in the nation is Auburn. Now let me tell you, I seriously almost bumped Auburn down to number three. Their very their record is really close to another team. It might not be quite as good as the next team's record, and that team is Texas A&M. The Aggies are the number three team right now, but they really made a good case for being number two this week. Both Auburn and A&M have similarly accomplished records, uh, but in the end, I'm going to stay with the Tigers up at number two because the stats do like them better. But be patient, Aggies. If you beat SMU on the road this weekend, that's going to make your resume pretty hard to ignore. So we'll see how that goes. But that's our top group of teams that can win home and away. The next group down, these are teams that can win at home, but they still have some trouble getting those road wins. The number four team is SMU. (laughs) SMU was idle this week. Um, There's not really any way they could jump any of the teams above them, so they'll just sit here for a little bit longer. The number five team is Georgia. (laughs) Even with their loss to Auburn, Georgia remains the number five team because the team that was right below them lost as well. So Georgia, uh, also they kept the things close at Auburn, so that helps their resume just a tiny bit as well. Now at number six, we do have a change this week, the South Carolina Gamecocks. South Carolina was idle, but they have four wins. Their only loss is at Georgia, so that resume bumps them up um, to sixth place. At number seven is Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls lost at home, so they're going to drop below the Gamecocks for now, Um, but they have Fresno State at home next week, and then they go ride at South Carolina, so we'll see what their resume looks like then. And the number eight team is Delaware State. I'm going to keep the Hornets here at least one more week since no one below them is really setting the world on fire. Delaware State has a really backloaded schedule, so we're just placing them here almost completely off of the strength of their returning talent. So that's the group that can win at home. Now we've got a group that kind of struggles to get those home wins. And the best of those teams is number nine, UT Martin. The Skyhawks almost upset Auburn at home, but unfortunately almost is not good enough to get you above ninth right now. So Skyhawks are number nine. The number 10 team in the nation is Baylor. Baylor is still looking for their first win, but they're getting better. I expect their fortunes to finally change when they host Fresno State in another week, but we'll see how that goes. So those are the top 10 dual discipline teams. Now let's take a look at the single discipline rankings. On the single discipline side, we had a massive upset that has shifted the rankings. 
The number one team in the nation is Lynchburg. The Hornets handled Bridgewater at home. They jump up to number one in the rankings because of that shocking loss by the previous number one team. So, next, at number two, is the Dartmouth Green. Yes, on the strength of the transitive property, the Green leaps all the way up to number two this week. They have a loss to Lynchburg, but they defeated Sweetbriar, and that needs to be counted in the rankings, so they are number two right now. And that means the number three team is Sweetbriar. The Vixens dropped two spots after their shocking tiebreaker defeat to Dartmouth. They rebounded by beating Sacred Heart, but the damage to their resume has been done. So if we're using that same three-group distinction that we used over on the dual discipline rankings, then I would say that Lynchburg is in a group that can win uh, both at home and on the road. Dartmouth and Sweetbriar are in that group that can get those home wins. And then this last group is for all these other teams that probably have trouble winning at home or they just haven't ridden yet. So the number four team is Barry College. Barry hasn't ridden yet, but like I keep saying, they return a lot of talent and they could make some real waves once they get going. The number five team is Sacred Heart. The Pioneers lost this weekend, so the team that was previously below them, Dartmouth, was able to make that big old jump and slide everyone down, uh, everyone but Lynchburg, uh, down in the rankings. And that means that the number six team is Bridgewater. Now, Bridgewater is 0-2 just like Sacred Heart is, but frankly, Sacred Heart's losses are a lot closer than Bridgewater's, so the Eagles are going to stay down at number six. And the number seven team is Swanee. Swanee has not ridden yet, but the stats suggest they probably wouldn't be doing much better than the two teams above them right now, so we're just going to keep them at number seven until they do something. And the last team, number eight, is College of Charleston. Again, they have not ridden any meets yet, plus they are a new team, so they're just going to stay at the point that they entered the rankings, which is number eight. And that's all the rankings, so now let's look at this week's upcoming action and do some some meet previews. Now first up, on Thursday, Texas A&M travels to SMU. Now this is going to be a good one. Right out of the gate here, however how this goes, this is going to make some changes. Uh, If A&M wins, they're probably going to jump up to number two in the rankings. If SMU wins, they could jump A&M and take the number three spot. So uh, let's see. According to the stats, which have been super reliable this week without any uh, possibility of, of, of error, um, I think fences should be dead even, so we'll say that goes two to two. Flat uh, has been better for A&M, so we're going to give them a three to two win there. In horsemanship, both teams are very close, so we'll say that's also two to two. And in reigning, SMU has fewer question marks, so I think that's going to go three to two for them. Add all that up, and I think we have a nine to nine tie. And with this being at SMU, I'm going to give the advantage to the Mustangs in the tiebreaker. On Friday, we have TCU at UT Martin. We saw Auburn have some real trouble with the Skyhawks, but I think TCU is going to be ready for them. In fences, I think UT Martin has a slight edge, so we'll say 3-2 to two for them. On the flat, UT Martin again has a slight edge, so I'm going to say that's another 3-2. to two. Things are looking good for the Skyhawks so far. Now in horsemanship, TCU is so good, I think this is going to go 4-1 to one for them. 
And in reigning, I think TCU wins this either 3-2 to two or 3-1. to one. Add all that up, and I think TCU wins a close one on the road, 11-8 to eight or 11-9. to nine. Then, after that, TCU and Georgia are going to ride this neutral site meet at UT Martin. I think Georgia takes fences 3-2, to two, and I think uh, Flat will go for them 3-2 to two as well. Then, in horsemanship, I think TCU wins 4-1 four, four to one again. And I think uh, reigning is going to go 3-1 for TCU. Add that up. I think TCU wins 11-8. So almost the same thing as what we saw with the um, uh, UT Martin there. Then on Saturday, we've got Georgia and UT Martin that are going to ride against one another. And fences, I think Georgia wins that uh, 3-2. And flat, I think we'll see a 2-2 tie. In horsemanship, I think that goes 2-2 as well. And in reigning, I think UT Martin would win that 3-2. So... That adds up to be a 9-9 tie, and I think Georgia would win the tiebreaker. So, close one there. And then the last meet of the week is South Carolina at Auburn. Now, this is at home for Auburn, and of course, as we've talked about, Auburn's really good at home, haven't lost at home in five years, so uh, you would expect Auburn to do really well, but but South Carolina is no slouch. They're, they've got a good year going on right now. Auburn needs to stay sharp, not take them lightly. In fences, I think Auburn wins 3-2. On the flat, I see that going 2-2. In horsemanship, I think Auburn wins 3-2. And in reigning, I think Auburn wins that 3-2. Add that all up, I think Auburn wins 11-8. So, if everything goes by the stats, I think we're going to have some close meets this week. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. That's all of our upcoming action this week. Now, we are one-third of the way through the season. Things are getting exciting. We've already had one big upset. Could we have some more right around the corner? Well, we'll see. But for now, that is all for this episode of War Horses. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much for listening and War Horses. Thank you for tuning in today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.